this is The Crime Cafe, your podcasting source of great crime, suspense, and thriller writing. I'm your host, Debbie Mack. Before I bring on my guest, I'll just remind you that The Crime Cafe has two ebooks for sale the nine book box set and the short story anthology. You can find the buy links for both on my website, debbiemack.com. D E B B I M A C K. Dot com under the Crime Cafe link. You can also get a free copy of either book if you become a Patreon supporter. You'll get that and much more if you support the podcast on Patreon, along with our eternal gratitude for doing so. Hi, everyone. I'm pleased to have as my guest today the author of the Dexter Vega Mysteries, as, as well as highly regarded novels, such as Playing for the Devil's Fire, a young adult that has received a couple of honors in terms of best fiction and best young adult fiction. Again, it's a pleasure to introduce Philippe Diedrich. Glad you could be here today. Uh, thanks for having me, Debbie. Well, I'm just glad you can be here. And um, before we talk about your mysteries, let's talk about the novels that came before that. What was your okay. first novel about? Uh, my first novel, my first published novel is uh, Sofrito. And it's a novel about a Cuban-American who was born in the United States, a bit, um, has a Cuban restaurant in New York, and he travels to, um, to Havana for the first time in order to steal a recipe that had once belonged to his uncle and in the process uh, falls in love, discovers uh, his late father's past. And mainly it, it deals a lot with the different shades of um, ideas on why people leave Cuba, you know, not necessarily political. Uh, so it's kind of a, it's, it's a, it's a double love story. It's, it's a um, return to your own roots. Uh, it's a, a foodie book. It talks a lot about food and the restaurants and, um, it's a it's a bit of a tour of Havana. I've, I've met some people who have read it and say, "Oh, we went to Cuba because we read your book." Huh, that's really cool. Um, how would you describe it in terms of genre? Just straight up fiction. It's um, you know, I I got into writing because I like stories. So um, my I I try to create a story for all of my books. There has to be something. Uh, beyond just characters or pretty writing. Uh, one of the things that happened with uh, Sofrito is that I had spent a lot of time in the 90s in uh, Cuba, uh, in Havana in particular, as a photojournalist. So it was still a forbidden place for Americans to go to. So I thought it would be interesting to write a book based on this place that was so close and yet so far. And I also wanted to write about the different opinions that Cubans and Cuban Americans had about Cuba and the Castro regime, et cetera. But it took me so long to write and revise and get it published that uh, by the time it got published, Obama had lifted uh, some of the traveling sections, uh, sanctions that he had on. So it worked out uh, quite well, I think, in the end that it, it got delayed in publication. Uh, but yeah, it's, I'm, I'm just after a story. So I would say general fiction, you know, I'm, I'm really um, rooted in the classics of uh, you know, the 1920s, 30s, and 40s. 
and they all have stories, great writing, great stories. And that's what I try to do. Well, that's excellent. And that's really the whole point to write good stories. But um, now your um, your not your mysteries are written under a pseudonym, Danny Lopez. What made you choose to take on a pseudonym and why Danny Lopez? <laughs> so what happened is uh, I published Sofrito, which is a general fiction book, I suppose. And, uh, and then Playing for the Devil's Fire, which was marketed as a young adult. I didn't write it as a young adult. They, uh, the publisher saw that the main character is, you know, 12 going on 13. It's a little bit more like a like a Huck Finn or a uh, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird type book. So, um, yeah, kind of coming in, coming of age, but dealing with a lot of uh, adult issues. An adult can really enjoy the book. Um, so I allowed the publisher. You know, we agreed that it would be young adult, and we went in that direction. So when I wrote, um, I have to say that uh, both Sofrito and Playing for the Devil's Fire, which are written under my name, are mysteries of sorts. You know, they're not really genre mysteries. That, you know, the, the Sofrito is a search for this recipe and uh, basically this journey, this search for something that's missing. Playing for the Devil's Fire uh, is based on the main character searching for his parents who have disappeared after drug traffickers, narcos moved into the town where he lives in Mexico. So they're, in a way, they're mysteries, but they're not straight genre mysteries. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had this idea for the Dexter Vega, and I wrote it without really discussing it with my agent. And when she read it, she said that um, she could not represent it because she had issues with the 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 one of the characters, one of the bad guys is involved with, um, uh, it's not graphic or anything, but he's, he's involved with, uh, abusing young women in in teenagers, really, uh, uh, young teenagers that he finds in the street and he brings into his home. And she had an issue with that. And she also said that I should use a pen name because it was very different from my other writing. Uh, I was new, I'm new, you know, fairly new to the writing. There's no real guide for all the stuff that I've ever found that tells you everything about the marketing of the different books and what fits in what shelf, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But it is a big deal in writing and, uh, or in publishing and, um, this, this whole genre and subgenres and sections and where it fits on the shelf. And both, I think, Sofrito and Devil's Fire really didn't have a shelf to fit in. Uh, that well, because just like you were asking what genre, and it's like, well, it's kind of a mystery, just general mm-hmm. fiction, kind of literary. So with the with um, the Dexter Vega mysteries, the first one, The Last Girl, it um, what happened is we decide, decided to go ahead and, and market it myself and send the manuscript out. And based on what my agent had told me, the idea of using a pen name would separate the brands. I just didn't know how hard it was going to be to have two identities type sort of situation, promote two separate people. Um, And so we published with uh, Ocean View and the name Danny Lopez, uh, Dexter Vega. Okay. 
I grew up in Mexico City, and I was born in the Dominican Republic. But my parents are not Latino per se, but that's what I write about. So I wanted to have somewhat of a Latino name that would work well. And Danny Lopez, the pen name, comes from, um, you know, kind of two characters that I like a lot are comedians or, you know, Danny DeVito and George Lopez. So it it kind of built that way. Um, I thought it would work well for the series since Dexter Vega is Mexican-American. And um, he, in that first book, he goes to Mexico, um, even though he doesn't really speak Spanish and he doesn't know Mexico, kind of similar to Sofrito in that sense, to try to solve the mystery. I like it as a name. It's it's kind of snappy. (laughs) It must be tricky, though, um, marketing under two different names. I would do it, but... Um, I, I am currently uh, enjoying the first book in, in that series, by the way. I oh, love your you. writing style. Um, what prompted you to write mysteries? Well, I like reading them. And um, I think that, uh, you know, what works really well for mysteries is that, is that you want to turn the page. I mean, I find them almost like a thriller to me to find out what's next, especially if you have really good characters. Um, and some of the events that happen in The Last Girl, as well as in The Last Breath, happen here in Sarasota. So I was inspired by things that were happening locally here uh, in order to write those books. Um, and I just, you know, it's, I, I just think it's an interesting genre, especially if you have really good characters. I think that's essential. Yeah. You know, yeah. Having good characters is is so important. Characters that you care about and want to follow and find out what happens to them. Um, are you writing a third book? I sort of am. I had kind of a false start late last year and feel like I need, I'm starting again. So uh, it's because the third book is a really important book. It's when uh, Dexter... Uh, He's, he's divorced and his wife and his daughter live in Houston. And one of the recurring themes in the book is, um, other than Dexter's uh, drinking, is his seven-year-old daughter he, that he can't connect with very well. But he also has some background to him that is alluded to in uh, The Last Girl in the first book, which is that his, he witnessed his father, when he was about his daughter's age, he witnessed his father getting shot by a policeman in the, um, on, on a side road, a side highway in uh, Texas. So this led him to become a journalist and to write about exposing the police department. You know, that's his, his real motivation and his sort of contentious relationship that he has with the Sarasota police and the Sarasota Sheriff's office um, uh, goes back to that. So, even though it's touched upon on both books, but especially in the first book, my idea was that in the third book, he would end up going back to Texas and has to face some of these demons that have been haunting him. So a lot of what is very subtly laid out in the first couple of books will come to fruition in the third book. And unfortunately, that makes it really difficult. (laughs) Well, I mean, but it shows that there is an arc to his character that you've planned out. Oh yeah, uh, he's uh, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, 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 it really is for me, it's very character based. I, I get feedback from readers and it goes both ways. Some people either love them or hate them. Some people don't understand them. Uh, some people feel like uh, the plot was, is, is maybe too easy to, to figure out or, or the mystery to, to figure out. I talked to somebody, uh, was it last Thanksgiving? And they said, oh, yeah, I read it. But halfway through the book, I knew what was going to happen. I was like, well, it, I don't think that that was the point. The, the point was, why did it happen? And the point was a little bit further on how he reconciles with everything that's happened in that, in that book. Because he's a laid off um, reporter, investigative reporter, and he stumbles into this case. So it's not just about solving the case, but about how he comes to terms with everything that happened there because he was sort of conned into the case in, in a strange way. And, um, and I think for somebody that has such uh, high ethics and certain standards for himself, he has to deal with the fact that he accepted this money from this bad, sick person that he, and he has to deal with this thing. Mm -hmm. So, so it's beyond the case, you know, I think that is, as one of the, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the things that happens is my characters in my novels don't really have complete, full, perfect, everybody lives happily ever after type resolutions. Because I, I don't believe like in that. Those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, life goes on. So in Sofrito, uh, something happens, you know, in the end, you know, it's, it, it's, there's, there's a touch of possibility at the end. And some people love the ending. Some people are like, I, I wish, I wish I would have known this. Or I wish I would have known that. Um, Devil's Fire was, was an awkward book because it's very realistic in what's happening in Mexico. And the, 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 the issue is that it's not a happy ending. And at the beginning, when uh, we were sending the book out, uh, the the big issue was that the ending didn't really work 100%. And, you know, with young adult, a lot of people want that happy ending. So when I had the publisher and we were working on it, we discussed the ending and we gave it some a, a certain twist that left it open, that made it a little bit better. And that made a huge difference in the novel. And a lot of the feedback I get is how much people, once again, either love the ending and think it was the perfect ending, or it was um, how that, that, that they didn't understand, that they, they want to know what happened afterwards. And what I tell them is it's, um, it's Mexico and it's a reality. You know, the, the people are disappeared every day there. There's thousands, tens of thousands of people disappeared and over 120,000 dead in the last decade and a half. And um, I can't give you a resolution that is not true to that, or it would uh, the book would be fake. And with the Dexter Vega mysteries, it's kind of the same way. The, the mystery itself is solved, but he has so many other things happening in his life um, that make him the character that he is, that despite solving the mystery, he we see that that he has not resolved himself that sounds really fantastic i mean like i said i am reading the first one and i am enjoying it very much i like dexter and um so i'm looking forward to seeing where that goes then 
Um, uh, there was something else I was going to ask you. Of course, it escaped my mind. Um, do you have a favorite author or authors who inspire your writing? Well, uh, I go through stages. I'm, I'm kind of a, an eclectic reader uh, when I read. Um, I go through stages early on in my, when I was first starting to try to write many years ago. Of course, like I said, it was a lot of the classics, some of the Russians and uh, of course, Hemingway, uh, Steinbeck is a huge influence because of the way he handles his characters. Um, he's a very humanistic writer. Uh, but, uh, you know, Cormac McCarthy's The Crossing, the, the, the Border Trilogies are, are big up with me. Um, everybody talks about Blood Meridian, and I enjoy that book, but the Border Trilogy just really speaks to me, uh, especially The Crossing. And um, one of the things I did early on uh, was to write some short stories and uh, I was kind of finding my voice by writing about Mexico and what I was writing was more not about people coming to the States but about people going back um, and because I find that uh, visiting Mexico I see the changes that happen based on the um, remittances people send back so there's there there's Mexico's going the small villages in Mexico are going through a, a really uh, important cultural change shift because of the the returning from the United States uh, workers and migrant workers that come back and that send money back and then bring back with them certain things. One example of that is the use of bicycles in these little pueblos. You know, it didn't used to be that way, but um, now there's everybody brings back their bikes and. You see bikes everywhere. Huh. Um, so with um, Dexter, it's kind of sort of a, a similar thing. Uh, the, the, the writers that I was reading were, uh, I was reading some of the hard case books. I don't know if, if you know the publisher, they're, they're reissuing older books. They're very plot driven. So they're, in, in yeah. they're very quick to read. Yeah, so, I love their books. Yeah, I, I enjoy it because uh, I can read, you know, a couple of nights I'll read a book or a couple of dentist appointments and I'll, I'll be done with, with one of the books. But, you know, Dennis Lehane is really good with his characters. And, um, of course, there's um, John D. McDonald, the Travis McGee series. I haven't read them all, but the few that I've read. Uh, my big problem with Travis McGee is that he, he's too much of a hero and, and, and I like anti-heroes, you know, I, I like people that I can relate more to and I'm not the guy that knows all the moves and gets all the girls. So I can't really write from that point of view. Um, I understand. I like that. Yeah. I like yeah. that kind of uh, hero that's sort of anti-hero or imperfect hero. Right. That's one of the things, uh, you know, in fiction, your, your characters need to be, um, you know, they need to have flaws. Uh, and I try to write my characters with certain insecurities and, and, and baggage that they have. Yeah. Well, that's great. Um, is there anything else that you would like to tell us before we wrap up? Anything about your latest book? Um, what do you hope to do in the future? Anything? Sure. Well, um, yeah, well, The Last Breath, it, it, well, it's an interesting thing about The Last Girl and The Last Breath, the two Dexter Vegas, is that I really like the first book, and maybe because it's the first book in the series, but a lot of people are liking the second one. A lot of the readers, um, 
I thought the second one wasn't as as deep into him that a lot of people are responding that they um, that they really like uh, the last breath. Uh, it 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 I wrote it trying to be very local with Sarasota, so uh, it's really kind of a beach read if you're if you live in a coastal town or in one of the Florida beaches here in the Gulf Coast or anything. It's you'll you'll totally get it because it's all takes place on Siesta Key, which is well, where our beaches are. Number one beach in uh, the country, I think, by Dr. Beach. Um, so, you know, deals with with development, which is a typical, you know, Florida theme. A Florida thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's happening a lot here in this town. I, I lived in Sarasota on and off since the 80s. So I see a lot of the changes. Um, Dexter hasn't been here that long, but he's. He's a bit old school, and in, in, in while he accepts the changes, he's he has a, he, you know, he's a kind of been his life is in between a lot of things. So, um, so he's he disturbed by that. Since we're on the subject of Florida and Dexter, um, do you read either the Dexter books or Carl Hyacin? Um, I've read I some. Think of Florida, I think of Carl Hyacin. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's he's our guy. He's Hyacin uh, is uh, he's very funny and, and and I read him. God, it must have been ten, fifteen years ago. I read a couple of his books and I haven't kept up just because, like I said, I'm an eclectic reader. Last year, well, not last year, but the year before that, I spent a lot of time reading nonfiction uh, for research that I'm doing. So, um, but yeah, he's he, he's Florida, all right. <laughs> especially (laughs) South Florida. (laughs) Excuse me. And as for Dexter, you didn't get that from the idea for that name from the serial killer, did you? (laughs) Um, No, I never saw that. Um, Uh Yeah, I, you know, I'm not much of a TV person. And um, uh, as a matter of fact, I think for, for most of my, between, from the moment I left my parents' home, maybe at 18 to go to school, until my first marriage, I think, in uh, or at some point, it wasn't until I was pretty much in my 30s that I didn't own a television. Um, and it helped me a lot with reading and writing, uh, you know, that kind of discipline. And I just, you know, I go through stages where I watch certain things. Now I have teenagers, so they, they're always talking about shows or movies they want to watch. But I've never seen the Dexter series. I know it exists and that it's a serial killer. Mm-hmm. But for your heroes, you want that kind of a name. You know, you want a, a you know, stone, rock, hard, bad boy name. So, yeah. It's a good name, yeah. And yeah. actually, Dexter was in books before he was on TV, so. Oh, okay. I didn't but, know that. Yeah, I'm also an eclectic reader, so I don't get to read everything that I want to either. Yeah, um, uh, well, there's a lot of books. Yeah, there sure are. Seems like it's endless. But um, in any case, thank you so much for being here and talking with me. Well, thank you for having me. I I really appreciate it, Debbie. I I could probably talk to you for hours about this stuff because everything you're telling me is so fascinating. (laughs) I mean, really, you know, uh, Cuba and Florida and all of that. I mean, it's just fascinating stuff. And the fact that you were a photojournalist, that must have played into your decision to, to write about a journalist, right? A little bit. Well, it, um, a little bit. He's, uh, you know, a lot of my friends have been laid off from newspapers. Um, 
so I also see the uh, people who dedicate journalism is very much a way of life for many. And so when you lose that job, when you're laid off from after doing this for 10, 20 years, um, a lot of my friends were truly lost and didn't know what to do. And this is kind of what's happening with Dexter. I quit before um, I got laid off, I guess. Uh, but I thought that would be a good, a good way to segue into uh, somebody to become an investigator, although he's not really licensed. Um, and I take this from the Travis McGee novels that he's kind of a sort of freelance do-it-all. Um, Dexter kind of stumbles into his own cases as well and um, out of necessity. And, and, you know, like, like most people, it has an issue. He needs the money, but he's not, you know, he's helping these other people and he wants to help. But maybe those people don't need the help or maybe they're the bad guys. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, very interesting. And um, again, thank you for being here. And I would also like to remind everyone to please leave a review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to it. It helps us a lot. And check out the Crime Cafe nine book set and short story anthology, which you'll find for sale on my website, debbymack.com, D-E-B-B-I-M-A-C-K.com. And we are also, we have a Patreon campaign, a Patreon page. And if you can support the podcast on Patreon, you'll get perks that go along with your, with your various contribution levels. Um, that include early drafts of my work, the things that I'm working on right now, actually. And uh, on that note, I just want to say thanks for listening. And I will be back in two weeks with author D.P. Lyle as my guest. In the meantime, happy reading and see you later. Mm-hmm.